0: Hi guys, it's Dammy back again from the Sports Gazette and I'm here with two of my colleagues, Bailey and Jeremy. How are you, lads?
1: Yeah, I'm all good. Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Dami.
0: Okay, guys, so uh, a few days ago you heard our Eastern Conference first round um, playoff review for the NBA and now we're just going to talk about the Western Conference. So I just want to get straight into it. The number one Utah Jazz against the number eight seed Memphis Grizzlies. Now, everyone was expecting Steph Curry to get the Warriors into the playoffs via the Ape seed but the Grizzlies had different ideas the series started off controversially as Utah star guard Donovan Mitchell was angry with the team once again Utah didn't let Mitchell play when he thought he was ready and the team losing game one only made things worse however when Mitchell came back you could see why he was so disappointed as the Jazz would have probably swept the Grizzlies with him in the lineup in every Jazz win, they scored at least 120 points, even scoring 141 in one game. They also held Memphis to under 115 points in the four out of the five games in this series. After coming off an injury, Mitchell put the Grizzlies to the sword, averaging 28.5 points in this series. Uh, the Grizzlies can take some positives out, out of this, as John Moran played great in his first playoff series, averaging 30 points. The Jazz just had too much. And they still look like an elite team in the playoffs as opposed to regular season, which is quite promising. So, guys, Jazz Grizzlies, a typical gentleman's sweep of a 1 8 matchup. What were your thoughts on this
2: series? I don't think anybody probably expected this game to go six games, probably. Um, I do think, though, the Jazz leaving Donovan Mitchell out of game one showed probably the confidence they hadn't beaten Memphis. And when you look at the Memphis lineup, Jaron Jackson hasn't quite been the same this year, didn't take that next step, partially due to injury. So you really were going up against Jammer out and Dylan Brooks. And as long as, you know, Donovan Mitchell does what he does in the playoffs, which is drop high numbers and you get one person to go along with them, um, you know, in the case of Bogdanovich or, or Mike Conley, you'll be fine. Um, so personally, I think this series went we all, the way we all went, expected it to go. But... Um, I think if you had to pick out a star man of the series you would say it is Jamaran. Um he is ridiculous. Um my only problem with Jamaran is I think he's got a little bit of the Russell Westbrook syndrome where he'll just take over himself. Um whether that's maybe he has a lack of belief in his teammates to make shots and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure but he's explosive and dynamic and if Memphis can get if Memphis can get another piece for him to go with Dylan Brooks or Jaron Jackson Steps up next season, they'll be a much much better team. So it's exciting times for Memphis. But I think
1: this this all went the way we expected it to. Yeah, literally a typical uh, first first eighth seed game. I think everyone expected it to be a sweep or at least a, uh, most sorry a gentleman's sweep. So it was quite clear the Jazz want to go through. They they're much better, they're faster. They're faster in every um, position on the on the court. And it was clear when Donovan Mitchell came back. The Grizzlies had no chance. I think morally it just destroyed them, despite them being one up in the series initially. As soon as Donovan Mitchell came back, he's a superstar. He came, he took over. And the just swept. They look clear and they look promising going into the next round, really. So we'll see how they do against the Clippers. That would definitely be a much tougher opposition. But I would like to say for the Grizzlies, it was a very good starter for John Moran just to get experience in the playoffs. So of course, if they get that second piece, like uh, Jeremy said they can progress and see where they can go from there.
0: Okay, guys, here comes the big one. Number two, Phoenix Suns versus number seven, Los Angeles Lakers. I have a feeling this one's going to get really spicy. So let's just start off with the Suns. After a great regular season following the bubble last year, a lot of people felt sorry for the Suns going into the playoffs. Phoenix were going up against the defending champion Lakers, but there was a reason why they were going up the Lakers this early. I'll get to that later. And uh, do you know who didn't feel sorry for themselves? The Suns. In game one, when Chris Paul injured his shoulder, we all feared the worst. The Suns pulled through in that game. And it was a 2-2 series when things started to go wrong for the Lakers. The team was already hobbled going into the playoffs. That's why they ended up as the seventh seed whilst being champions. Anthony Davis has been injured all year. You could remember Jeremy referred to him as street clothes in the last episode. um, And he got injured again in this series. He's an elite talent, but... That's been a problem throughout his career, and but to me, the biggest shock was LeBron's injury. I know he's thirty-six, but he's been so durable throughout his career. So it's always shocking when he gets hurt, even at this age. With the Lakers' off-season signings of Schroeder and Harrell, I thought they'd be able to be. They, I thought they'd be better equipped to deal with the injuries to their stars. But I was so wrong, man. And the best example of this was Game Five, a pivotal game, and. Dennis Schroeder drops a whopping zero points on zero for nine shooting. You know how Schroeder comments that's tough under everyone's Instagram post. but watching his performance in Game Five was tough. I'll tell you that that was terrible. Anyway, uh, he's going into free agency, uh, so this was the worst possible time to put up a stinker like that too. But full credit goes to the Suns. You can only beat who's in front of you. and played well. And Devin Booker is a bona fide superstar. He's carrying on Kobe's legacy very well. So lads, Sons Lakers, a lot of implications for the offseason, I think. What were your thoughts on the series?
2: I mean, as uh as Bailey and you know, I, I love LeBron James. Um, I haven't done as the goat, but uh I, I gotta say he was disappointing in this series, really disappointing. Um, especially in that game five, like Yes, he shot 60% from three, six of ten. But when you look at it, he only took nineteen shots, like only played 32 minutes. Like it's not I wasn't expecting him to turn into LeBron in 2018 when he single handedly beat the Pacers and the Celtics and was dropping 50 odd points. But I thought if there's one game where you have to show up and show out, it's on the road. So you can get back with a three two advantage at home. But he was he was dreadful. Um I don't, I'm not going to get into Dennis Schreuder, um because that guy wants a max contract. Um, so, no. KCP turned into Pandemic P um, very quickly. Um, but, no, look, full credit to the Sun Paul is criminally underrated as to how he runs an offense. Um, he's getting the very best out of Devin Booker and, and DeAndre and, and Mikhail Bridges. But I think if I had taken LeBron blinkers off, I think I should have seen this coming. Because the Lakers were just so banged up. Um, and when you think about it, they wanted to play with Drummond at the five, AD at the four, you know, and the lineup they went with in game five, none of those guys had played together. So it felt a little bit like a mix and mash unit. Uh, I fully expect the Lakers to blow this up in the summer. Um, and as a Laker fan, personally, I, I want to see street clothes, um on the street because uh, his his injury record is ridiculous now.
1: Uh, Leflop James, I'm sorry I meant LeBron James, um, after the Lakers won game three I thought oh, this is game over, the Lakers should just take over here, they've got home court advantage, they're, going, they're looking well, Chris Paul doesn't look fit but the Suns pulled it back, you've got to give them credit as much as you have to criticise the Lakers, Chris Paul, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, what a three they have, what a three piece they have there. Jay Crowder, I've got to give him a massive amount of credit. They were dissing him. You saw Andre Drummond on the court and the Lakers bench dissing Jay Crowder, saying that he couldn't guard LeBron James, doing the salsa dancing, messing about with him. But then Jay Crowder, in game six and game five, embarrassed the Lakers bench and took over LeBron James, really. So you've got to give Jay Crowder massive credit. However, I don't want to just cloud this whole series on being LeBron James, not getting past the first round. Uh, he was injured, he doesn't play well, because I want to give Devin Booker the credit. The third, As I said in the last, uh, pod, the last podcast episode with the Light Skin Trilogy, Trey Young, Jason Tatum and the third man, Devin Booker, are taking over this playoff series. They are the main men to talk about. And Devin Booker, wow. Wow is all I can say. Because I wasn't convinced, you know. Before the playoffs started, I thought, oh, yeah, he's a good player regular season. And I think he just proved to the world now. He finally put on the world stage that he is a serious contender. He is someone to watch out for. So Devin Booker, I have to give you a clap. LeBron, Leflop, James terrible next year I don't know what's next for the Lakers I don't think they can win another ring with Leflop Le- James and, and Anthony Davis I just can't I just can't see them competing with the Nets the Nuggets are coming up so they are going, they have to, they are going to have a massive offseason they must get Damian Lillard or someone else because them two cannot win another chip I promise you that
2: yeah just before you go um just actually after Billy said it, one person I actually think who deserves credit we haven't talked about is Money Williams um you know in 2019, back when the Lakers were looking for a head coach, everyone was talking about Tyron Lue. And that's who I wanted as a head coach. But Monty Williams was coming up, you know, as the third candidate at the many different jobs. And I was sitting there, I thought, Monty Williams, every reference from about Monty Williams was, he is a very good head coach. He's going to be a very good head coach. He's a great leader, very good tactician, um, can relate to the modern day players because he wasn't a superstar player when he was playing. And I thought, if Monty Williams can go to the right fit, He probably will do a very good job. And the Phoenix Suns has been the perfect fit. Look at their win percentage every year since he's been there. Um, It's only gone up. So I think credit has to go to Monty Williams as well, uh, as well as someone like Nate McMillan uh, for the Hawks season. So I think um, if you're the Phoenix Suns, there's no reason why you, you don't think you can go to the conference finals, at least because they've got a great head coach and a great backcourt.
0: Yeah, a lot of interesting points there, lads. Uh, I, I just wanted to agree with Jeremy on Monty Williams there. The Suns have a top 10 offense, top 10 defense. So I think that's a great job from him there. And if you compare him to the likes of who he was um, pit up against for the coach of the year candidacy, the likes of like Steve Nash. I mean, if you saw that, what the Nets did yesterday without James Harden, I mean, you can't you can't really tell me that, that Steve Nash is doing that. That's, those are the superstars playing well there I just wanted to get into you guys um your guys opinions about what the Lakers need to do I do agree that the Lakers need a shake-up but I wasn't really thinking about Anthony Davis I was thinking about all the other guys because Drummond's on a lot of money Harold's on a lot of money Schroeder's on a lot of money you move those three out then you get superstar but you guys I didn't I didn't really think you would think about Anthony Davis I know he's really injury prone but that sort of talent that is he's he's a top seventh player in the league, consensus. Some would say top five. I do agree with the injuries. It's a, it's a bit like Chris Porzingis, but on a much higher level there. So uh, do you guys have any opinions on that? Are you sure you want Anthony Davis to go? Would you prefer the other three that I mentioned to get traded for a star like Damien Lillard, for example?
2: Well, the thing is, is you're probably not getting a Damian Lillard unless you give up Anthony Davis, um, you know, because there's no there's no real stars on the free agent market. And, it's not that I don't read Anthony Davis as a player. Like he is a great player, but if you still want to run it with LeBron James as your sort of crucial piece, you need to put guys around him that fit. And the guys that traditionally fit around him are, you know, three and D guys who can um, who are a bit more catch and shoot rather than, you know, big guys down on the block. And I just think if you could keep Drummond, if you want, um, Probably for not, not too much. Um, I think if you were able to convince him, look, take a little less, and you can stay part of a championship team. Um, but I do think they'll move the likes of Schroeder on. Cal Kuzma, he's probably got a goal. I think they'll keep KCP, um, but they, they will make some moves. But Lillard will be perfect because I think they need someone to come in who can run the offense when the bronze is down, or if he's down, or if he's on the bench. Because there's times where I'm like, I'm watching Alex Caruso run the point. Like Alex Caruso, like he's not a ta- he's not a playoff NBA player. Like I'm sorry, like he was fun to watch in the bubble. We all find it hilarious, a white guy Dungan, in, in the in the bubble last year, and everyone's sitting going Caruso, but he's not good enough. And you know when you've got Dennis Schroder putting up zero, KCP zero, you know the bench unit was awful. So yeah, I, I think they'll blow it up this year. I don't think they'll do what the Clippers did and keep and move one or two pieces. I I think it could be a case of something like six out six in, because I, I I don't think LeBron will be happy at all.
1: Yeah, I'll just like to say, uh what does Kyle Kuzma do? Like that's a genuine question. What does he actually offer? He offers what does he offer? I, I don't know how he's an NBA player, NBA player. I don't know what he had that amazing breakthrough season. But from that, I cannot tell you what Kyle Kuzma offers. It's graceful.
0: Kyle Kuzma's an influencer, man. He's a he's an Instagram baddie. I swear to God. I mean, like, he 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 performed great in the summer league, but I think it tells you everything you need to know that when I was thinking about this series, I didn't have him in mind at all. But also, what you're what you're talking about, Jeremy. There, I think LeBron is best when his second star is like a primary ball handler, not like a big man on the pick and roll, like Dwayne Wade, Kyrie Irving. I know they won the ring last year, but it was different circumstances. When everything is normal, LeBron's at his best when he has like a Dwayne Wade or a Kyrie Irving. So if he gets like Damian Lillard, that is a serious problem because Dame averages twenty seven plus standard as as a as a straight standard. So if they get someone like that, I think that would be great for them. But yeah, that was that was that was a really spicy conversation. Let's just move on to the the three six matchup. The oh speaking of Damian the three six matchup as well. The three seed Denver Nuggets versus the six seed Portland Trailblazers. So Damien Lillard has a song on his debut album called Loyal to the Soil, but I, he may have to rethink his approach. Otherwise, he won't touch the NBA finals. And that would be a real shame for a man of his talents. Denver went into this series missing Jamal Murray, so there was an opportunity to take them out. And the Blazers couldn't even take the series to seven games, which is concerning. It always ends the same for the Blazers, man. I mean, they always flame out in the most underwhelming way. And the roster pretty much stays the same all the time. They're going to need a huge shake-up in the offseason. I want to talk about the Nuggets too. I want to give them praise. As a second star, Michael Porter Jr. was okay in this series, averaging 19 points, but he averaged the same amount of points in the regular season. And I, I think you need to up your game in the playoffs if, he, if, they, if the Nuggets want to progress further. Um, but do you know who upped their scoring numbers? The consensus MVP, Nikola Jokic. He only averaged 4.5 assists, but that's because he was averaging 33 points. He really put the team on his faxes this series. And it's so interesting thinking about Jokic because you'll see him, he'll come into the season, he'll be average, He'll be a bit overweight, averaging 16 points, then it will just explode. And obviously you saw this year, he came into this season with the right mentality and he's going to get an MVP for it. So he's, he's just an elite talent, a legendary talent. Anyway, a side note is I think this series had the best game of the first round the double overtime game five and the series was tied 2-2 so it was an important game in my opinion and both teams scored over 140 points i think Lillard would have done some serious soul-searching after that game as well because to score 55 points on great percentages like that and still lose it must have been tough okay guys let's talk about this series Uh, i think it was a bit underrated and overlooked what were your thoughts
2: on how it played out I think it's pretty much the tale of any trailblazer series the last four years in a in a playoff. I mean, realistically, you could just change the year, and we would all say it, we would all say it doesn't surprise me. Um, I feel sorry for Damian Lillard because I think not everyone realizes that CJ McCollum's got that Chris Middleton syndrome, where it's like he can't really be your second star, and you put serious question marks as if he can be your third your third level score. Um, If I was the Blazers, the problem is for the Trail Blazers is where do you go? Um, you because they need an elite wing, and you're not getting one. Like Kawhi Leonard's not going to Portland. Paul George isn't going to Portland. Uh, LeBron's not going there. Tatum's not going there. So until they get an elite wing, they're not doing anything. Because unfortunately for them, their strength is also partially their weakness, and that your strength is your backcourt, but they're small. They're not, you know. CJ McCollum is just someone everyone goes after in the playoffs, and even their big guys like Nurkic, you know, he's not. I wouldn't say he's a, a modern day five. He can't shoot the three. He's slow. He's just a he's a lane clogger. Someone that Jokic will just lick his lips at having to go up. And I think, I think if you're a Trailblazer fan, you just sort of you, you're you're walking into nothing. Um, and I just I feel sorry for them because there's nothing they can do. They 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 tried to get something sorted of, with getting a Norman Powell. That didn't really do much. Um, I think they really should have went for Aaron Gordon near the trade deadline. Uh, we've seen how that's worked out pretty well for Denver. So I think based on the two teams, even without Jamal Murray, you would say the Nuggets probably should win, probably within five or six games, because you know you know there is going to be a game where Lillard goes off for near 50, 60. But I think if you're the Nuggets, you, you had a tricky enough first-round matchup, you handled them pretty well, and I think we got the result we all expected in the end.
1: Yeah, I agree with Jeremy. I feel like that double overtime game was the signal that Lillard really should go. There's nothing more this man can do. He's exerted everything he can do. He put He's all into that and he just was carrying his teammates. It's like, what more can you do, Lillard? Just leave. You've proved you're loyal. Now go and get a chip. Go and get a chip. You've proved you're loyal. Go get a chip. Go to the Lakers. Go somewhere where you get a big market to get that chip. You've, you've proved your loyalty. No one will remember, everyone will remember that you got a chip or you didn't get a chip. Do you want to be a Charles Barkley or do you want to be a KD who went out and got a chip? I know who I'd rather be. So it's like, it's, I feel sorry for Lillard, I definitely do. But the Portland Trailblazers, I feel like they've reached their limits. Every time they just reach their limit, they just can't push further. CJ McCollum is not a good enough second option. As Jeremy touched on, put he's like, he's got the Chris Middleton syndrome, literally. There's nothing more they can do. And as for Denver... I just just wish they had Jamal Murray fit because I feel like they could have gone all the way to the finals possibly with Jamal Murray fit. I feel like they could have gone the whole way, literally. They're doing well now. Austin Rivers, balling out Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. If we just had Jamal Murray there, no one knows what could happen. But now I feel like they're struggling against the Suns. But um, yeah, if they had Jamal Murray fit, anything could happen for them. Bailey,
0: mate, you keep talking about the lightskin trilogy, but I think the Nuggets should be your team, man. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, that is your team, man. But anyway, let's, let's move on to the, oh, this, is, this was such an interesting series for me, man. The four-seed Los Angeles Clippers versus the five-seed Dallas Mavericks. Now, when a home team doesn't win a game until the last game of the series, you know the series is, is actually great. The Clippers got away with it here, in my opinion, because don't forget they kind of tanked to get the four seed to avoid the Lakers, who didn't even make it out of the first round. So it could have been really bad if they lost this series. Oh, okay. Luka Doncic, I can't say enough about Luka. Like I see the Harden comparisons, but he feels like LeBron to me in terms of just controlling games. I remember a play-by-play graphic I saw for one of the games about the Mavs, and it just said Luka 2 Luca assists, Luca three pointer, Luca layup, and so on. You get the point. Another side note is everyone talks about LeBron's career stat line of twenty-seven, seven, and seven. So twenty-seven points, seven rebounds, seven assists. I think I really think Luca could get twenty-eight points, eight rebounds, and eight assists as a career stat line because this series he averaged thirty-six points, ten assists, and eight rebounds, which is absolute against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, the premier defenders, the people who Max Kellerman compared to Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen as perimeter defenders. It's, it's just great for Luca, but he just doesn't have enough help. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. was the second best player for the Mavs in this series, and that shouldn't be the case when you have Chris Porzingis. Paul Zingers. Once again, it looks like there were no real winners in that Paul Zingers trade. So, yeah, it's looking poor on that side. Um, we knew the narrative with the Clippers. It was all about whether they would implode again. Would it be playoff P or would it be pandemic P? All those things there, but to be fair, the Clippers almost did implode. They were down 0-2, then they clawed it back to 2-2, but then they went down 3-2, but one up um, 4-3, obviously, and it was because of one man, to be honest, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi really put the team on his back this series. I mean, the biggest example of that was the 45-point performance in game six on the road. I mean, I don't really like the Jordan comparisons that Kawhi sometimes gets because of his two-way superstardom, but um, I think that performance was really Michael Jordan-esque, in all fairness. is amazing. He's gonna win multiple MVPs surely. Whether he wins championships or not, that's really on the Mavericks and what they do with their with their team, with their roster. The Clippers won, but there were plenty of times when they when it looked bleak for them. So I'm still on the fence about them. So, guys, final series of the first round, Mavs Clippers rematch. Tell me what you thought about it.
2: I think it's again the exact same as what we've seen last year. It's a look at our show. And if he had one other player to go with him. And I know people will say, well, Tim Hardaway contributed and Cleaver contributed and Porzingis tribute, uh, contributed. It, no, he needs someone to go with him to go for 25 to 30 plus because when Kawhi dropped 49, Paul George would drop somewhere between 20 and 25. And then you get Marcus Morris giving you 15 to 20. And it just—he just you know, he just doesn't have anything like that. And I've seen you know, Porzingis says you know, he was upset now that he's becoming an afterthought in Dallas. And it's like, well, then why don't you do what you're supposed to do? You're a unicorn. You know the, the tallest member of the of the Clippers team was six eight. Nick Batum. You're seven foot three. Get your Latvian butt on the blog and just sit and dunk and work. Nick Batum. No, I'm just gonna stand in the corner and shoot threes. It, it's it, it. doesn't make sense. Um, and I thought Rick Carlisle maybe would have thought of that. You know, seven three versus six eight. He's offensively gifted. He re, he is talented but he just wants to stand and shoot threes. And if he doesn't make them, he, he, he's just a complete and utter nuisance for, for Dallas to have on the team because then all of a sudden it's it's a four on five. And if, say, Harroya has a bad night, it's in three on five. And if Luka then goes to drive it, it, it just doesn't work. So I think if I was Dallas, I think one of the big things I shouldn't have done last year was let go of Seth Curry. I think they should have kept him. He's capable of having a big night. Um, but I think... For the Clippers, it's, I think for them, it's really good that they finally overcame a bad series, like a hard series, and they started to get that little bit of team building chemistry together. I still think the Jazz are a different animal to the Mavericks. They've got a lot more players capable of going off for big, big numbers. So I think if the Clippers have off nights, they will get pummeled. So I think, I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but I think if Kawhi can keep playing like this, they have a chance to go to the finals. But as but it was a bit worrying to see after game six, Tyra Lu saying, or game five saying that Kawhi is exhausted. If he's exhausted after game five and round one, um,
1: that's not a good sign. Look, you have to give the Clippers credit, especially Ty Lu. I don't think, I feel like the Clippers would definitely have been knocked out if Doc Rivers was still their coach. Um, he sh- I feel like they would have. I feel like he showed he can change the system, he can change. Because when they lost last season, last year, sorry, they just collapsed. I didn't see that the same collapse I saw last year. I saw a bit of composure, I saw momentum building, I saw composure from Kawhi and PG. So I feel like, yeah, you have to give Tally credit. Also, I remember you guys saying um uh, earlier in the podcast series that Kawhi was not a leader. However, going 2-0 down and then going 3-2 down, Kawhi's leadership must be praised. I told you, he's not a shelter. He's not a, he leads by example. And that is leadership in my eyes. He turned up, he carried the Clippers. He saved them from another, from a possible sweep even. So Kawhi has to get credit. He is clutch. I call him clutch. He is very clutch. So, and yeah, he is tired. That like, Kawhi is probably the one player. I feel like if he's exhausted, he will still get what's done. Like He's a player, exhaustion doesn't matter for him, he still plays to the best of his abilities. So I really do have high hopes for the Clippers. I feel like, I don't know why, but I feel like they will get past the Jazz. I feel like there's something missing with the Jazz, I don't know what it is, I still don't trust the Jazz. So I feel like the Clippers will get to the finals in my opinion.
0: Yeah, a lot of interesting points there, man. I just want to start off with Chris Taps Porzingis, right? I heard, Jeremy, you mentioned that um, Chris Taps goes uh, into the corner when things aren't going well. He just goes into the corner to shoot freeze But I saw a little conversation yesterday saying, is that his fault or is that the game plan? Is that Rick Carlisle's fault? We know that Rick Carlisle's a great coach, but when things aren't going well with Chris Tapp, shouldn't you find something else to do? I mean, he when he was playing for the Knicks he was pretty good outside but he was great inside as well he just overpowered people so maybe some more pick and roll action getting him in inside against you you mentioned that 6-8 Nick Batum was the tallest player on the Clippers because they went small they, they weren't playing Zubac anymore it wasn't working so do you think that's more Rick Carlisle's fault or do you think that Chris Stapp should just take the onus and be more responsible
2: for that I think it depends really on what Christophe sees himself because we know that the stars and the superstars in this league kind of get a bit of a license of their own at times to do what, do what they want when they, you know, they're feeling out the game. If Rick Carlisle has told them to, to stay on the block, then I think he probably would stay on the block. I do think there's a little bit of Rick Carlisle was focusing probably too much on how to help Don at times um, to get them going. I think there was times where, I think especially after the game three when they took him out, they were up by 19. He came out, came back in, and I think Rick Carlisle pressed the panic button then and went, "We have to keep keep Luca, 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 Luca." Where I thought, well, no, if you can actually get Porzingis going, you can rest him a bit. Um, I I would have to say it's probably a co- coaching error, um, as they just mainly were focusing on how to get Luca freed up, uh, and then if Luca was freed up to drive it, then they could just kick it to Porzingis or Hardaway or Cleaver. But I think. If you're Porzingis, though, you have to maybe read the game and go, if Lucas just sitting jacking up threes, which he started doing in that game seven, and then he wasn't making shots, you've got to use your brain. How can I get him free, wide open? How can I stop the double team? Well, no, I'll just go stand in the paint because no one's been doing it. So I'll just go do that for 10 minutes, and I'll just punish the Clippers down low, and then I can go, go move outside. But he didn't do it, which is something I want. If he wants to be a star or a superstar or he wants to be one of the best players in the NBA, you got to be able to read a game. Um, LeBron will do it. Damien Lillard will do it. Kawhi did it where he just took the game over because he realized nobody can stop me and he just went ahead and did it. So I think it's 50-50 to blame, but um, I've got to be honest, I, I'm just not impressed with, with Chris Kristaps Porzingis at the minute.
0: Yeah, fair enough, man. I, I agree with your points on the basketball IQ there. Basketball IQ does have to kick in sometimes and you should be prepared to make those adjustments. But talking about Kawhi just there, his, you can't, you can't be game managing and then say you're tired in the first round. That's what really concerns me about the Clippers because if Kawhi is not in tip-top shape, performing at his highest, then I just believe that the Clippers, the Clippers just won't be great. And um, in terms of them going and, and reaching the championship, I just don't think they'll be able to do that if Kawhi is not at his best. And it's just Paul George because I, I've never really since. After his injury, and it's not because of the injury, it's just the way he's kind of um, displayed himself in the media, the things he's talked about. I haven't really believed in Paul George. He did have a great series, to be fair to him. And going on to, um, onto Bailey's point about leadership in Kawhi, I did, I do think he did show great leadership by leading by example. But in the latter stages of the playoffs, you are going to lead a vocal leader now. Maybe Ty Lue can do that. You saw Ty Lue was the only person who could match up vocally with LeBron. So... Maybe that's just going to be the case with the Kippers. It's going to have to come from the coach. But anyway, that was a great talk, guys. Um, this The second round has already started. We've seen some great games there as well. So we're going to have a talk about that, a little review about that when that's all over and done with. So, guys, once again, thanks for listening to us. Thanks for coming with us on this journey, on this conversation. And um, we'll talk to you when the second round of the playoffs are done. Thanks, guys. Goodbye.